morning, everybody. It's great to see everybody here. Uh, man, it's really great about the weather. It's how beautiful it's been. I think it's good to tell them. Gosh. More more us. That's cool. And I wanted to bring up one, one thing is that I just I want to make sure that everyone that is in this room feels like you're a part of this family. Okay? It's not like them or us or they or anything like that. This is the body of believers. We just happen to be meeting. Let me, let me tell you, there is no, I don't know if there's anybody in this room that is from Crescent. <laughs> Who was that? Oh, he's cheering. Right. Okay, so we're all in this together, okay? All right, yeah, several of these kids were Thank you, Jesse. You're wearing a Yes. I uh, got to do a quick trip over to Southport with Drew, our new pastor. And we were meeting some folks down there, and it was beautiful. You know, some of you are driving around the city, and you see everything. We came back over Slump Gully, and we down to Lake City. Ah, it was incredible. You know, we, it, except we were in a hurry, you know, we would stop like, on every turn. Just, we, the trees just lit up. It was beautiful. And we drove down, and one of the reasons we went by Lake City was to see where the men's campout was going to be. And not to belabor the point about. How good it's going to be, but we stopped to see this place. Lori, can you just, I know these pictures are like microscopic. You're just real chilling at this place. Um, yeah, could, could just click through those. It's like a quarter mile of private water, guys, and uh, the fish were practically just leaping into our hands. <laughs> That's the way to entice them to come. <laughs> so it's going to be incredible. I hope that if you can make it, awesome. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, lots of fish, lots of bacon, like Gary mentioned. So that was that's good. That was really exciting for us to the week this week. Uh, what we're in this right now, we just started the other book, and we're in a new series on Galatians. We're just looking through this book to see how Paul is going to hold up the gospel for us. He is very concerned about these churches that he planted in this region. He's he's laying down the law. He's he's trying to communicate in the strongest terms that you people, people in English, you need to know what the gospel is. You need to know what this message is. You can show it to everybody from different angles, show the depth of it, the beauty of it, where it came from, why it's so important, just on and on. We're going to see all those pieces as we go through his, unfold his thinking as we move through the book. Okay, good. So we're in the second of those. And one thing I just I want to continue to say as we go through this, Galatians, the book of Galatians, is it's, an, it's a heart book, but it's an intellectual book. Okay, And all of you are thinking people. And so we're going to want to just take this in and put it in our heads and say, all right, God, okay, I just want to encourage you to, as, as we're here, as you're in these moments, as you're experiencing the beauty and peace of what God has brought, 
uh, take a deep breath, stop, and let this, the word of God, the truth that we're going to look at in the scripture, just sink into your heart. It needs to go deep. It needs to get way in there because what's happened to the Galatians is that apparently it wasn't deep enough. This truth wasn't in there, and so it was easily moved. They drifted from that. And we want to be anchored. If you're a believer in here, we just want to be anchored in this truth. And it transforms us from there. So don't just let it, it stop here, okay? Good. Here's the, uh, we're going to be in the second, uh, like I said, we're in the first chapter, the second part we're going to look at is starting in verse 6. So if you want to flip over to Galatians 1, 6, we're just going to see six verses today. And here's the, uh, here's the one thing that I want you to get. I think this is the message Paul's trying to communicate in this little piece. There is only one gospel. That's the thing he's going to come back to again and again in this little section that we're going to read. There is only one gospel. Now, as I say that, probably, you're thinking, well, obviously, you know, Scott, there, there is only one gospel. We all know that. Well, uh, the fact is that we just naturally want to you know, fix it up a little bit. It's just so simple. It's so beautiful that we, and we'll talk about this a little more as we're going through this, but we want to adorn it a little bit. It's like, you know when you're watching those commercials and it's like a, a medicine, and then they and they tell you, like there's a, a lawyer that comes on and speed, speed talks, like longer than the commercial, about all the things that are wrong, you know, that can kill you from this medicine. <clears throat> It's like this legal fine print has been added to the gospel. Okay, uh, here's another way to say it. Like, if we played the telephone game in here, and I like started over here with Nate and I shared the gospel clearly with him, by the time we got back over there, you guys, uh, in back in back corner, eyes up here, people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back there. Uh, it would be. It would have changed. You know, it would sound different. The piece, it was not intentional. We were trying to do it right. We weren't adding to it, but it just gets changed. It doesn't change the truth of the gospel. It doesn't change the basics of it. But the message can get uh, unintentionally damaged. It's just what happens. And Paul's been saying, you come to this deep in your heart. There's one gospel. Continue to go back to that thing. Go back to that thing over and over. So let's look at the passage together. We're here, we're here, we will hear Paul really uh, with some pretty strong language. Verse 6. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you to the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, that's the people he's with, these apostles, these other leaders of the early church, if we, or even an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one which we preached to you, the original thing that you heard, let that person be accursed. As we have said before, and we now say again, and he's repeating himself, if anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to the one that you receive, let him be accursed. So he says that twice. 
For I am now seek I am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I even taught it, but I received it through the revelation, a revelation of Jesus Christ. So today we're going to try to dig a little deeper into that gospel so that it can get rooted in our hearts so that we just don't drift. In three, believe it or not, I'm going to have three points. For those of you who know there, there may be three points today, and they may be these. Uh, <laughs> dessert, define, and defend. Dessert, define, and defend. So let's just jump right in there. I'm not talking about the good kind of dessert that we want to have after lunch today and dinner, and even after breakfast for some of us. Dessert, it, that's not what we're talking about. This is not the good kind. Look at verse 6. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you, in the grace of Christ, and returning to a different gospel. See, they have a problem. Uh, they're damaging their relationship with God. You see that it says, you're quickly deserting Him. Him who called you to the grace of Christ. So, it's, it's showing the role of God, which we talked about last week, the God who empowers all of this, makes it all possible. He says, you're, you are uh, turning away from that God and leaving all of that behind. You're deserting. And so this is the problem that he's coming against them with. He's saying, you are leaving it behind. So it's stronger than just saying, uh, like the way I present you, we want to go down and to be rooted in our hearts so that we don't risk it. He's saying, you are deserting. The first words he says there is, I am astonished. That, that doesn't really sound that strong. To, to me, you know, I'm astonished that you're just, if you read it right, you know, softly, I'm astonished that you're deserting him. It doesn't sound so bad. But remember that Paul has risked his life to plant this, these churches. His soul, his blood, his heart is in the planting of these churches with these people. And so when he says, I'm astonished that you're deserting, it sounds different to those of you who know, like uh, Steve Morehouse, who, who helped plant this church in the 70s, right? Some of you know of him or have seen him up here before. If Steve came in here and said to us, this body of believers said, I am astonished at how you are deserting the gospel. Would that sound different than you read it on the page? What if Jim came back, like he, he went away, stayed in Tijuana? For <laughs> Warm down here, like, uh, in, but he came back five years later, three years later, and said, "I'm astonished at what, what's happened here." Would you? That would go to my heart. See, there's a different level here than than we just read. We just read it off the page. It's so soft. It just doesn't get. But and you know, to desert is to be a traitor, right? So we have to pull that word up and say, "What does he say?" He's, he's, not, he's not saying, well, you know, you've drifted, you know, your boat floated down the banks a little bit, and, and you know, it's over there. He said, you, you are a tra- you're tra- being traitors to this. I mean, these are strong words. 
Those are really strong words. Now, I don't know if you've been following anything in the news about this uh, Bowie Bergdahl guy. This is a guy who was in the army and defected. And just briefly, you know, he's in Afghanistan, like we just prayed for. He, with his group of other men, established this forward outpost for us to move into, bring peace into this Taliban, uh, you know, just infested area. And so one morning, they finished their project. Actually, they're supposed to go home the next day for R&R. And they go, and his bunk is empty. He's just not there. Like, what's going on? If you've heard this, I apologize. But he's out. He's left. And they search everywhere. It's only if it's a small compound. They can't find him. He's gone. And he deserted. He thought he was doing, he says he thought he was doing a good thing. But you know what happens next? Like, one of the things he says is that one of the officers there felt like he was going to throw up when he had to tell his commanding officer that one of the guys had defected and was gone. And so he went and they hunt for him. So instead of going home, for six weeks, his crew is searching for him in the most dangerous place in the world. Because he defected. Because he turned away. So when, when Paul says, you're deserting, you're trained, there's a much bigger consequence than, than perhaps we can get our minds around. So I think we I just want to bring up the seriousness of the problem and the importance of fearing, rooting the gospel in our lives as, as deeply as we can. You know what? Uh, this Bergdahl guy, he didn't realize the damage that this would cause. He didn't know that he would put all of his, his men at risk and then for years they would not him. He didn't know that was going to happen. But he deserted it. I don't think the Galatian Christians were thinking, oh, we're really messing up here. Right? They, they were thinking, we're doing, we're trying to follow God. And somebody came and told us that it looks like this. We have to do these certain things in order to be Christians. Follow these rules, add this stuff to Jesus and what he did for us. And they're thinking that's good, but they're actually deserted. Do you see? It, it was not intentional, I don't think, on their part. But here they are moving away. Possibly we've got to get, we've got to get back. And that's where it's really important for us to define the gospel. We need to know what it is. We need to be able to, to say there is only one. And, he's, and Paul says that. You're, you're deserting the gospel. You're turning away from it. And not that there's another one. There is only one. I think if we had all of his head cards and I said, hey, write down what the gospel is. Even if you're not a believer in here, you could probably get a lot of the high points of what that is. If you're a believer, you should be able to communicate at some level. Because it's hard to believe something when you don't know what it is. Right? So we, we need to know what that is, obviously. But if we all piled them up and we synthesized it and brought it together, we would get the main points of the gospel from all of us, for sure. I mean, the, certain things would rise to the top, but I want to just... I, I need things to be really simple. I, I have to have easy ways to remember stuff. I don't have that encyclopedia. Oh yeah, it's in that verse. How many of y'all have that? I, I have those clues. How many of y'all 
are like me, and it's really hard for you to pull up the verse that you think you're referencing. Like in your head, you're like, oh yeah, it says in the Bible somewhere. Okay, that's most of us. There's like three of y'all here, like, oh yeah, first Thessalonians 3 6. That's what that is. You know, that is not me. I can't do that. God has not wired me like that. But the gospel is very simple. Here, here's how I want to describe The gospel is the story of reconciliation between God and man. The gospel is the story of reconciliation between God and man. That is what the gospel is about. That's like the, the, that's the, I don't know if it's the title, but it's what it's about. Right? Uh, the way I remember the pieces of it, and, and I'll say it like this, I, I remember about five words. Five words. I just I hope if you've got it, just memorize this with me. This is how I do it. The first word is God. There, the second word is man. The third word is sin. Jesus and belief. That is chronologically the narrative of the story of reconciliation. So there is this tells us certain things. There is a creator, a good and holy creator, who created all of these things, including his initial creation, which was man. That's us. And man decided, because he had been given freedom by the one true God of the universe, to reject his relationship with God and take it on his own. Take it on our own. We, both, we all decided that we would move away. And we have inherited that. That is now in our DNA. When you look at the world, we see the effects of sin. And sin is the next piece. This is where the relationship is broken through sin. Okay? So we have decided to move away from God. God, man, sin. So you're already almost there. Right? And then God, in his infinite wisdom, makes it possible for us to be renewed to relationship with him through Jesus. So Jesus is that peace that is making it possible for us to reconnect with the King of Kings. The last word is belief. That's the only part we play in this thing. We don't do anything. We don't earn it. It's not Jesus plus anything else. All we do is we believe. That's, it is sublime and amazing. It's very simple. And those, that's how I remember it. So God, man, sin, Jesus, and belief. I don't know if this is going to work, but I want to try to show you this. This is an old video, so I apologize if you saw it a hundred times in your church somewhere on the big screen. Okay. We have a really small screen, and so we're going to see if we can hear it. But this is a different guy. I was at a conference a few years ago, and in between the speakers, they had like music or poetry, modern stuff. And this African-American with giant dreadlocks gets up and he shares the gospel with everybody in his own terms. And it was awesome. And then soon after, I you know, came across this video. So, By the way, this is the first video I have shown the message in two years. Let's see it. This is the full story of life crushed into four minutes. 
the entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand. Crushed in the one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paid everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told. God. Yes? God. The maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance. Seen and unseen. What can and can't be touched. Thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans. God. All of it is handiwork. One of which is masterpiece. Made so unique that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery and concept so cold is the reason I stay bold. How God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Because with the infinite of being infinitely intimately calm, created a creation held in eternal bond, and it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. The species got deceived and started lusting for his job and all list of complaints, as if the system ain't working. And he said, same breath, he graciously gave us the cursing. And that sin seems spread through our soul's genome. And by nature, your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny. Our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited. Life in the human heart, it was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like deep in a lion, homie. He don't need to help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on. Now our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer. Choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God, and the only way to get back is to get back to perfection with silly us. Trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Chant, pray, meditate. Belongs out of course and spray cologne on a corpse. And you can choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe with all your kids with how good it's good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection good luck. That's like past with pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you can give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list. Because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here it is interesting. I hope you're close to listening. I want to get to us into a place of faith you need. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. We try it. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. The only way to fix it is someone dying in place. And that someone got to be broken. But a payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death. And clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness, his death, functions as pain. Yes, pain wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheer because that means the check pierced, I mean, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, so this forgiveness, three passages in a promised land, that same breath that 
What happens when man is in charge of something over the long haul? <laughs> Do you remember, like, when, when I was young, if someone said made in Japan, that wasn't good. Now it's, it's a good thing, right? You like things made in Japan. All my cars are made in Japan. All my electronics, I think, are made, at least in the Asia. Now, China might be a little different. Now, Germany just went south, right? <laughs> Germany was great. Now, what about that? The best that we can hope to do, y'all, is to help something not decay as fast as it might otherwise have decayed. That's about all we can do as humans. We're not very good custodians of forever things. And that's one of the beautiful things about the gospel. It is the custodian of the gospel, the one who keeps it together, perpetuates it, is God. And we cannot desert God who gave it to us. We've got to be connected to it and then thus connected to Him. Two more thoughts. One is this. I like how Tim Keller says this. He says, I have a lot of people who come to me and say, hey, I'm interested in you know, being a Christian. I want to know more about that. I think good things could happen for me if I was a Christian. I see Christians and some of them really seem to be filled up. You know, there's something about this gospel. And he says, hey, you're going to tell you this first. Don't ask what the gospel is going to do for you first. You need to ask them. But first, ask if it's true. Is the gospel true? Can I depend on the gospel? Because, y'all, if the gospel is true, it changes everything. And as I was sitting down writing this, I was like, if this is true, it it should change everything about who I am. And the repercussions should be amazing. But I somehow I have The gospel doesn't have the power that it could because I decorated it and tried to please God with the gospel. There is power that we need to know it and embrace it and love it. I'm just going to conclude by reading the last few words that he shared and pray for us in the last two lines. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained Son of Man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And every anyone and everyone, and by everyone, I mean everyone who puts their faith and trust in Him alone can stand in full confidence in God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity, to return, to be reconciled to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life, yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins, and everyone's life. Let me pray for this. God, we do not want one of our esteemed loved leaders to come to us and say we have drifted 
that they're astonished that we are not holding to the simple truth of the grace-filled gospel that is given by you. Lord, you gave us breath, and then with our breath we cursed you, and then Jesus' breath, last breath, was to prove. God, I pray that each of us who know you would just let that go deep into our souls, be encouraged by it, know that we're loved so deeply, so much more than we can ever make up. And God, for anyone who is in here that, whose heart that has heard these words or been exposed them, I pray that you would, with your spirit, just reach and draw them to yourself by believing. So lift us up. Let us uh, please you today. Let us be your, your hands and feet in our town today. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, y'all have a great week. Enjoy the afternoon.